Hey, this is Michael Scobie. We're so honored that you're tuned into our podcast today. Whether you're part of our Vibrant Church family in person or online, I want to encourage you to connect with us on social media. Just search Vibrant HTX on all social media markets. You can also go to VibrantHTX.com to hear about things going on, connect with a life group, or even get to know some of our pastoral team. We pray this message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you make your next step in following Jesus. Let's jump into the message. Vibrant Church, are you excited to be in the house of God today? Come on, let me hear from you. I am pumped that you are here. Let me just tell you what, I am fired up up about you guys being at church today. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful day. My name is Michael. My wife, Carmen, and I, we have the tremendous honor and privilege of serving this church as lead pastor. And I just want to thank you so much for making church part of your day. Give it up for yourselves getting here. Come on. It's awesome. Uh, Like always, I want to take just a moment to look directly into the camera, and I want to thank all of our online family for making church a part of your day, whether you're watching by yourself or with a watch party with your family. Thank you so much for getting together and making church part of your Sunday. Come on, let's welcome our online family in. Amen. Amen. I've got some really, really cool news that I want to share with you uh, before we jump into the message today. And uh, so I've got two things that I'm very, very excited about. Number one um, is, is kind of a precursor to number two. As you can look around and see, there's not a lot of seats left. Come on, give it up for yourself. That's awesome. We are, uh, this was one of the weeks, many, <laughs> pretty much every week right now, uh, I am blown away that everything that God is doing with this church and through this church and, and, and so thankful that we get to be a part of it and, and just Carmen and I individually. I, I'm just honored that we get to be a part of what God's doing here uh, in North Houston. And so that being said, what you'll notice if, if you serve here or if you've come to any other service, you'll notice that a lot of our services are starting to look like this right here, where it's a little bit more full which is, praise God, that's a wonderful problem, okay? But that being said, Easter is coming up a month from now, okay? A month from uh, this week, and so four weeks from today. And so uh, in preparation for Easter, this is something we're super, super excited about, to make more room for you, your friends, your family, and everybody that you're gonna bring with you on Easter. We are going to launch our third service on Easter. Come on, three services. Three services on Easter. If you'd have told me on launch day, we're launching three services uh, on our second Easter. Man, I'll just tell you what, what God is doing is amazing. It's, it's peculiar. It's different. So we're at three services, one at 845, one at 1015, and one at 1145. Now, I know some of you OCD people right now, you're freaking out. You're going... Pastor Michael, that's not going to work. Like, just show up at like 10 o'clock for the 10.15, and it'll be okay, all right? But hey, seriously, one thing I do want to encourage you to do is that we know that that middle 10.15 service, a lot of people are going to want to come to that, okay? It's kind of right in the middle of the morning. I'm going to need some of you that call Vibrant Home, okay, to choose to come to the 8.45 or the 11.45, okay? Make a choice right now, and let's let's make room for more of our friends, okay? Because we want to make sure that everybody can fit in the building and uh, make sure that we're able to do that. Amen. 
All right, we're cool with that? Three services on Easter Sunday uh, only, okay? That'll be Easter Sunday only, and then we'll, we'll go from there. Uh, that being said, we are in a project right now to make more room. If this is your first time or if you're relatively new to Vibrant, we are going to be expanding our space into the next suite, and we're going to be more than doubling our space as far as the amount of people that can get in the building. And so we're in the middle of raising funds for that project, and we need to get to about $260,000. As of right now, praise God, we hit a benchmark this week of $190,000 in the account. That's because of your giving. What does that mean? On our current pace, as soon as we finish negotiations with the, uh, the landlord here, we're going to be able to start g- breaking ground or knocking holes in the walls. Come on, somebody. Very, very quickly. Very quickly. Come on. I am excited about it. I really do believe um, walking into the season before Easter and after Easter, I felt this in my spirit that coming out of February, we were walking, about to walk into a re- revival season for our church. I've been telling our executive team this for a while. I just feel like this is going to be uh, a revival season for our church. I feel like people are looking for spiritual renewal. They're looking for fresh life, fresh community. And I'll tell you what, Vibrant Church is all here for it. We're all in. We're all in. We're ready to go. And so that kind of sets up this series that we're jumping into today. And, and this the series is called Along the Way. Let me, let me explain it to you like this. A few weeks ago, um, Carmen and I were headed to go do dinner with a, a, a young couple in our church, uh, just, and we were headed to go hang out with them. And uh, we do a lot more ministry by, around tables than we do behind pulpits, and we like it that way. And so uh, we were headed to do, uh, to do life and ministry with, with a young couple, and, and we were headed there, and and we're looking, really looking forward to it, really looking forward to it. And we get there, and, uh, you know, it was, it was Saturday night in the woodlands, and uh, we arrived for dinner, and um, I didn't make a reservation. Yeah, it's okay. You ladies, the organized ones, can laugh right now. This is okay. This is your cue. I didn't make the, 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 uh, this, this reservation, and so we get there, and they're like, sir, it'll be a two-and-a-half-hour wait. I said, for somebody else, it will. <laughs> Not for me. So we were like there. I was so embarrassed, guys. I was so embarrassed. I was like, yo, I'm so sorry. I didn't make a reservation. And we're like, now we're here. Let's find something else. And, and so we were trying. I don't know if you guys have tried to eat dinner in the woodlands on a Saturday night without a reservation. It's near about impossible, turns out, okay? And so, like, I thought at one moment we we're going to have to take this couple to Whataburger. I was like, I just... It, <laughs> I love y'all, but you're about to get real people with a real passion to live vibrant life in Jesus, okay? And so um, I ended up, I, you know, one of my friends uh, it, it manages, he's the GM of a local restaurant here. And I was like, you know what? I, I wonder if we could get him in. And, and then I realized, you know, that was his birthday. It was on his day, on his birthday. And I was like, man, I know he's not working. Let's just show up and see if we can get in. Well, we got there and, and, and uh, we had to wait for about 20, 30 minutes and we got a, we got a seat. And as we're walking in, I see my my guy, see, I was like, hey, what's up, Bubba? And I go and hug his neck, tell him happy birthday. He comes over to the table and he congratulates my wife and I on, our, on, our, uh, on her being pregnant and being really sick right now. And so <laughs> congratulates us and says, hey, to the table and says, hey, I know it's my birthday, but I'm going to buy y'all's dinner tonight. So shout out to Pablo at Grimaldi's right now. Hey. I know y'all like Grimaldi's. Here's something really cool, and this is something that's really, really neat about our online audience. It spans all over the nation of people that you don't even realize, but also in our town. Uh, Most of the time when they're prepping for Sunday morning at Grimaldi's, they're watching our services in the kitchen. So shout out to Grimaldi's right now. Let's go on. 
Pablo paid for our dinner. He nailed it, knocked it out of the park, and he was awesome. So go, Pablo. But here's the thing is that it was not part of my plan. It was not part of my plan to not make reservations and get there. You know what I'm saying? There was some times in it where I was driving the car and I was going, come on, Michael, come on, get, get, get your act together. Come on, man. But, but along the way, we, we discovered some blessings, Along the way, we showed up and Pablo said, I know it's my birthday, but I'm going to hook you up, okay? You know, along the way, there were some blessings along in the detour. It was stressful, but it worked out as part of the plan. And I just want to tell you today that Jesus was familiar with the detour. Jesus was familiar with it. In fact, he actually thrived right in the middle of the detour. He thrived in the middle of it. If you've never read the Bible before, and maybe this is kind of a brand new start for you, I would encourage you to start in the Gospels. It's the life of Jesus, okay? And at, right in the middle of, of the Gospels, these, the, the Gospels are four different perspectives on what happened in the life of Jesus. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, let me set this up a little bit, are, are called the Synoptic Gospels. And what that means is they were written about the same time with kind of the same mode. Okay. In fact, uh, they were written, and many think that many scholars think that these synoptic gospels were actually written together. Like these guys were kind of comparing notes, like you did in your spelling test. Okay. And like <laughs> they were comparing notes on their gospels, and, and they were they were doing research together. They had time to look at each other's writings. They wrote these books about eighty-five years after the death of Jesus. So this gave them time to collect information to do research and to confirm reports on everything that happened and conversations that went on. This helps us to ensure that everything that you read in your Bible actually happened. That's great. That's awesome. That's very important. But where I want to go to today is the, the book of John. The book of John is actually my favorite gospel. And, and the book of John was called the spiritual gospel, the spiritual gospel. And so when we look at this John, John's gospel was so different, and it kind of points out a different mode of, of writing and ministry. He, he gives, his pattern was completely different in how he, uh, he wrote this book, okay? He gives a completely unique perspective on the ministry and the life of Jesus. He just looks at it differently. Where the synoptic gospels were written together and at the same time in the same format, John did something completely different. John wrote his gospel about 95 to 180. So just a little while after the rest, where Matthew, Mark, and Luke recorded a similar simplified journey of Jesus as far as places that he went, John was more detailed. And John gave us a little bit more detail where John's gospel was different and he pointed out a different role of ministry. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke emphasized Jesus's work around Galilee and then towards the end of his life, he took the journey to Jerusalem where he died. Uh, but it, it, John's gospel was a little bit different. He makes this journey uh, where Jesus is moving, moving back and forth from place to place. Here he gives even more detail between the big miracles and big groups of people, but John gives us a more detailed look at the ministry of Jesus where it's more individualized, where it has these individual conversations and moments with people. When we go through these gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that contain the ministry of Jesus and the life of Jesus, we see that some of Jesus's most notable miracles were actually when he was on a detour from somewhere he was going. 
So for instance, there was a plan for him to go to point B, but in the middle, an opportunity for a miracle came up and Jesus would work a powerful miracle in the middle of the detour. Now, in this series, what I want us to do is we're gonna look at some of these detours and it's gonna be a tremendous series, but we're gonna look at these miracles along the detour and see how Jesus performed them and see how they can apply to our lives. I really do believe that this is going to be a season where God is going to work some miracles, some tangible miracles in your life. The whole point that we're gonna do a series like this is to show you that it happened when it didn't seem like it was the, 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 that Jesus was on the way to the right place or things were on the right way. I know 2020 and 2021 doesn't seem like it's on the, right, on the right way to the right place, but Jesus can work a miracle right in the middle of that. So I really truly believe that this is going to be a season for healings, for people to be rediscover their faith, for people to be revived, right? I believe this is gonna be a season like that. And some of you may have come to this church house today looking for that. Like, this is my last chance. God, I need some of that. So let's kind of dive into this. The first miracle that we're gonna jump into is actually in John chapter two. If you have your Bible, uh, that's great. Turn to John chapter two. If not, they're gonna put it on the screen and uh, we'll kind of follow along here. But we jump directly into a wedding celebration. In the previous days and the weeks before, Jesus had been collecting quite the following of people and deciding um, who he was going to, uh, who was going to be his disciples and who was going to follow him, who was going to kind of step into it. But we find in this in John chapter two, this is actually verse one. It says this: It says, "On the third day, there was a wedding." I want you to underline that. On the third day, there was a wedding in, in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Now, this chapter opens up, and we instantly know that this is quite the event, right? This is quite the, the thing, right? That this wedding had gone on, this celebration it was like three days. Have you ever been to a wedding where you were like, man, that's a little much? You know what I'm saying? Like, I went to a wedding in the middle of Mississippi one time where they decided they wanted to do a winter wonderland in the middle of summer in Mississippi, that's a little much. Like, okay, Elsa, like, keep it down. Like, that was a little much. This was kind of one of those weddings. Like, this is, this is a little much. The biblical weddings were huge celebrations. I mean, they were days long where families would be together and people would be together and they celebrate. They went all out to celebrate. But this story goes on. Jesus and his disciples were invited to crash the wedding. They were invited to crash the wedding. Verse three says, and when they ran out of wine... The mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Now, before we move on, I want us to get a glimpse of the humanity of Jesus right here, okay? I want us to get the glimpse of the humanity of Jesus because Jesus was fully man, but fully God. Fully man, fully God. In fact, we get a glimpse of, glimpse of this in John chapter one, right? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life and the life was light, the light of men. We find this example uh, right in the beginning of the book of John. So Jesus was fully God, fully man. He was God robed in flesh coming to save us from our sins. But also, he was fully man. He was a fully dude. He had the same struggles that we had, the same stuff that we dealt with. In fact, Jesus had a personality. I know some of y'all's Jesus is like very traditional and y'all put him in a picture and, you know, 
oh, like I, my Jesus had a personality. Jesus had a personality. In fact, the thing I love about the word of God is here we get to see a little bit of that. Mary comes to him and says, hey, Jesus, we got a problem. He, we're out of wine. There's no wine at this wedding. His reply is so awesome. I love his reply. I don't know what Jesus is like to you. I don't know how Jesus talks to you, but this is how Jesus talks to me, okay? This is the Jesus that talks to me. Jesus is not boring, family. Come on. All right, Jesus is not boring. I, I just rebuke that. And so Jesus in verse four says, says, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour is not yet come. Essentially, he says, woman, that ain't my problem. See, kids, this is one of those times where that what would Jesus do bracelet is not gonna work out for you, okay? Don't, don't, don't do that. This is not the time, okay? Don't, don't start an answer to your mom with woman, okay? Just don't do that. Jesus says, essentially, Jesus says, that sounds like a personal problem, mom. That's not my issue. Like, I, I, I don't care. It's like Miles when he comes to me and he's like, I, I got a dirty diaper. I, I, that's not my problem. Go to your mom. I'm just kidding. I, it's a joke. It's a joke. I'm kidding. Kidding. Kind of. Kind of. It's interesting that Mary would come to Jesus about this. It's interesting that Mary would come and ask Jesus and tell him about the problem that there's no wine at the wedding. There's no miracles from Jesus recorded up until this point. Nobody else knows that Jesus can do miracles. Mary has been the one that she's been raising Jesus. This is important. Because the potential of what was inside Jesus had not yet been released. Nobody else in the world knew about it. But inside, Mary knew what was inside of him. Mary knew. And Mary was calling what was inside of Jesus out of him. The fully man part of Jesus, Mary was calling the man to release the God in him. Y'all wasn't ready for this deep preaching today. Y'all wasn't ready. I told y'all, 9.15, y'all better wake up. Y'all going to church today. Mary was calling that, that, that spirituality, that God within Jesus to come out. This leads me to my first point today. Your closest connection, your closest connections reveal your greatest potential. See, Jesus was a Jew, and in a Jewish home, the man was known as being a teacher uh, and a disciplinarian and a provider. The woman, the mother, was known as being the primary parent in the home. Essentially, the mom was the glue that kept everything together. Come on, can I get an amen? Uh, and so, that being said, it's not surprising when Jesus had, was incredibly closer to Mary, especially early, uh, early on, but she was the one that helped Jesus begin to live out the gifts that he had been given she knew it he had to learn it before Jesus's ministry went public it was developed in private it happened relationally through his mother Mary she was the closest one to him and and, and so it spoke of this miraculous gift that came out of Jesus but it began by Mary developing that gift inside of him 
You know, for me, growing up as a teenager, when I got into church, um, I was, I was, you know, I, when I got into church, everybody kind of had their people that they did life with. And so I was kind of the outcast. I didn't have a name in the church. I didn't, you know, my dad is not in ministry. You know, I, you know, I was not a Christian and really until I was uh, 16, 17. And so I came to church and I was kind of the outcast. But my youth pastor in that day, his name is Colin Webb, and he watches our services often. But Pastor Colin, I love you. He took me in. And he kind of, where I was the outcast, he made me the incast. He took me in and he gave me, he helped me find my identity. In fact, he gave me a nickname, Scobuck. Y'all weren't ready for that one, are you? you? Gave me a nickname, but he gave me some confidence in the connections that I had around me. And it began to allow me to develop within myself and eventually gave me the confidence to step into the gifts that God had given me. See, my closest connections revealed my greatest potential. This man wouldn't be up here preaching to you today if it wasn't for Colin Webb. A man that was never in full-time ministry has worked in banking all his life, but he took on the responsibility of developing me, right? The greatest potential was released inside of me. Check this out, check this out. In, in, in verse eight or verse five, his mother said to his servants, whatever he says to you, do it. In other words, she was saying, Jesus had just said, woman, that's not my problem. It's not my time. She said, I know you'll do the right thing. Servants, whatever he, did, whatever he says, do it. <laughs> Sometimes the people that are developing you are just gonna push you out and say, now is your time to move. Yeah. Now is your time to get in. It's your time to jump in beyond the kiddie pool and get in ministry. My God, that's good. I wish I could stay there for a minute. The people that are closest to you, the people that are influencing you on a level have an impact on the victories on your life. The people that are closest to you see your capacity. You're trusting them with something spectacular and they have two options. Number one, they can crush you. They don't communicate what they see in you. They tell you to never take a step because you might fall. On that note, let me just tell you, you've got to be okay with those people leaving your life. In fact, Jesus, when he shared who he was for the first time, tons of people laughed at him. And then some of the few began to follow him, a few hundred began to follow him, and he repeated who he was in the very next week. Most of those laughed and left him then. If people leave Jesus, don't be surprised if they leave you. That's okay. So they have a choice that can crush you or they can cheer you. They believe in you. They tell you how God has gifted you specifically. They seek it out. How has God gifted you? They help you take a next step. Some of you in this house have been hurt by people that have crushed you. And so what you've done is, even church people, okay? And so what you've done is you've, you've, you've stopped allowing vacancy for people to step into your life and invest in you. Because of the people that have crushed you, you're not allowing anybody to cheer you. So therefore, your potential can never be reached because you don't have somebody to cheer you or to develop you. See, we're all given that opportunity by somebody around us because for our ministry to be successful publicly, we must be developed privately. We've got to be developed privately inside. Why? Because God won't open doors that your spiritual character cannot handle. He won't do it. I know I'm preaching strong today. I just came out of a relationship series. I'm fired up, church. I hope y'all ready to stay with me. 
Some of you have been praying for a ministry mantle that you haven't allowed yourself to be developed into. You've been saying, God, open the door, but you haven't got on your knees to be developed by him. He'll never open the door until you allow yourself to, to sit under somebody and to be developed by them, myself included. It'll never happen. Let me move on so y'all get on a little, little less uncomfortable here. In verse six, now this is a little bit of a lengthy reading, but I wanna go all the way through this and we'll go review here. Now there were set six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim and they said to him, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. Then they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. Then when the guests are drunk, then the inferior. You've kept the good wine until now. The second point that I want to make here, and I'm going to set it up, but it's it, obedience makes the worthless invaluable. Obedience makes the worthless invaluable. And I'm going to sit here for a minute on this. Jesus tells them to bring the water pots over. Can you imagine when they did that? I can imagine these servants being very confused. Like, okay, dude, like, I, I don't know what you're about to do, but Jesus tells them the next step, fill this with water, then pour it out and take it to the master of the feast. And I, let's put it in context. And I want you to understand this, okay? This is likely the best friend of the groom who had planned the entire wedding. So to put this in perspective, the wedding is packed with people on day three. The wine went, runs out. Jesus tells them to fill the pots with worthless water. To a wedding, water was worthless, okay? Pour it and bring it to the wedding planner. Have you ever met a wedding planner? That was risky. It was risky. That was a huge risk. They were surprised by the response once he took the sip. Not only had Jesus turned all of that water into wine, but he had turned it into the best wine they had ever had in their life. He calls the groom over, bro, bro why are you holding out on us? This is the best stuff I've ever had. Normally, we start with the good stuff, but you've waited till day three for the best. Man, I could preach that right there, but I'm going to move on. This is the best stuff that you've got. They've received the best wine, the first miracle, because a few men obeyed. Because a few men were willing to take what was worthless, Jesus made it invaluable. Worthless water was transformed into invaluable wine because a little bit of obedience. Just a little bit of obedience. The water wasn't valuable, but Jesus made it into something that was. You know, there's an old song that says, little is much when God is in it. Little is much when God is in it. Some of you today have come into this house and you feel like you're water. You feel like you're worthless in the middle of a celebration. You feel like you're, you have no value to, to, to a community, to, to your job, to your family. You feel like you have no value and you're sitting in the house beat down. You can't go to sleep at night because you feel like you are the water in the middle of the wedding. Here's a few reasons you might feel that way. Shame. You know, the truth is, is that we're naturally, every one of us born into sin. 
and we obey the flesh many times and God, but God offers us a better way. He offers us a better way. But the thing that we've got to understand is that there's a difference between conviction and condemnation, right? There's a difference here. One leads to freedom and the other leads to bondage. Condemnation will give you this bondage of shame and it will, it has a voice that will tell you things like you'll never recover, You'll never be good enough. You can never be made whole. You'll never be anything better than water. You'll never be anything better than you are right now. You'll never be made whole. That's the voice of condemnation in your life. That's the voice of shame. But the voice of conviction says, yes, I've sinned, but God has called me to a better way. And I'm going to step into that. God has, it's a simple statement. that says, God has more for me than this. God has more for me than this. For some of you, it might be your circumstances. Many people walk in here today and they feel like all they have to offer is water because of your past or your circumstances. You feel like you're the water, not the wine. You're broken right now just trying to get through life and you wonder why God would even have anything to do with you. Listen to this man tell you, let me, let me just tell you, God loves you. There's, I wish y'all would amen that like we have in church. God loves you. He's passionate about you. You see water, but he sees wine. Your circumstances don't change the value in his eyes. You may, need, you may see it differently, but to God's eyes, he sees you as the most valuable thing, the most valuable person, the most valuable in the entire world. But you've got to begin to see that for yourself. See, what happens to me and what happens in me don't have to be the same thing. My God, that's good. What happens to me and what happens in me don't have to be the same. You see dusty water that's got dirt and got grime and got all the stuff in it, but Jesus sees something valuable. Jesus sees you stepping into something greater. Jesus sees you bigger and better and stronger than you've ever been in your life, but you've got to first accept it on yourself and rebuke the lies of condemnation and step into that wine. For some of you today, you're walking in fear. And you thought, if I offer myself to God, I know that he'll do something with it. But it'll challenge me to step forward and change. And I'm not ready. I'm scared. For some of you just having a relationship with God. It's been a dry season for you and you, maybe you've even been coming to church, but internally you're just dry and empty and you're going, God, I don't, I, I know that if I make that next step and I have a relationship with you and, and I bring my water, you'll turn my life into wine, but I know that it's going to require me to change. For some of you, it might be your relationships where You've been isolated for so long, maybe watching at home, maybe right here in this building, you've been isolated for so long and you know that if you bring that water of your relationships, you bring it to God, he'll turn it into wine. He'll turn it into fulfillment. You'll find more joy than you've ever found in your life, but it's gonna require you to step out. Yeah. It's gonna require you to do something different. For some of you, it's finding out the why. Everything that you've been through, all the struggles, all the tribe, the tribulations that you've been through, there's a purpose to it. Yeah. 
You've been figuring out why have I been through all of this and you just can't figure it out. For some of you, it might just be that you need to get involved to the local church. You need to step in. Next happens right after this service. For some of you, you've just been kind of dancing around the circle of church, dancing around the circle and saying, well, I just kind of come to church and I'll just kind of do something. Some of y'all need to jump in so God can turn your water into wine. Some of you need to jump in, stop walking around it and jump in. For some of you, it might be a journey in giving and tithing. Well, Pastor Michael, I have never tithed in my entire life. Here's the thing. It's just simply about giving God what is already he gave you. And that 90%, you walk in blessings because of it. I'm telling you, it's not really about you. It's about God offering the blessing on everything else you have. But you feel like all you have is water. When you want a wine experience, give the water. Give the water and you'll get the wine. Pour it out. I'm telling you, there's so many examples of people I could tell you that have poured their life out. They poured their ministry out. They poured, business owners have poured their finances out into this church and they've seen God multiply it many times over because it's a principle. When you pour the water, you get the wine. You pour the water, you get the wine. I wish somebody would preach with me and pour out their water. Obedience to God makes your life valuable. For some of you, it's baptism. And we're going to go into a baptism Sunday in a few Sundays. But you've said, well, Pastor Michael, I've just never been baptized before. And I'm so scared. I don't know. But if I get baptized, I might have to change. I might have to do some things. You need to get in the water. You need to go to vibranthtx.com slash info right now in the middle of my message and sign up for baptism. I wish we'd baptize everybody that's never been baptized in the name of Jesus and we dunk them down because we need, we need it. Excuse me for being fired up, but I just believe that this is a season that some of you need to make some steps. You've been walking around this for so long. You need to make a step. Would you stand with me today? It seems that Jesus' family had a close relationship or connection to the event in Canaan. In fact, the fact that Jesus' mother, Mary, was concerned about the lack of wine suggests that she was involved in the planning and the organization of the event. In other words, when something happened, they came to her The fact that the wedding, that that after the wedding, Jesus' brothers travel with him to Capernaum indicates that Jesus' whole family was there for the wedding. Could the wedding have been for a relative of Jesus or a friend? We We don't really know, but it's quite possible. Such a connection would explain Jesus' presence at the wedding. But I want you to understand this. In that day, if you were hosting a wedding and you ran out of wine, If you ran out of wine, it was the ultimate shame as the host. You would be known around town as the one that ran out of wine. You would be labeled, never be able to host again, never be able to be an inviter, never be someone that steps into that upper echelon of leadership because there was an ultimate shame that came with running out of wine as a host. The point I want to close with today is that 
knowing what would happen to the groom if the wedding ran out of wine, Jesus acted and turned the water into wine. Why? This was Jesus's first act of mercy, of mercy. See, I believe Jesus was showing from the very beginning of his ministry, the first miracle that he ever performed, that mercy was the greatest miracle that ever will be performed. This groom deserved to be ridiculed. He didn't prepare, but Jesus saw the need, saw that he needed mercy, and that motivated him to act. See, we go back to the beginning of the story in the first verse of this chapter. It says, on the third day, right here in the beginning of the story, the beginning of this miracle, Jesus is foreshadowing his death, burial, and resurrection. The three-day process was, uh, it begins showing at the beginning of the launch of his ministry, his foreshadowing his death, burial, and resurrection. But on the third day of the celebration, the miracles began. On the third day, Jesus took the, the keys to death, hell, and the grave. On the third day, mercy was performed. Jesus hadn't planned on working a miracle when he arrived. He didn't go to the wedding for a miracle, but mercy activated him, it in him. Some of you have walked into this house feeling dead inside spiritually, knowing that you need reviving. You need mercy that can only come from a touch of a merciful God. You need something that is, that is spiritual, that is powerful, something that will revive you on the inside. And you're praying prayers like, God, if you see me, show me. If you see me, God, let me just tell you, God sees you today. He's put you here on purpose in this moment. He sent a word from God to tell you that he sees you. He sees that you need mercy in this moment. He sees that your spirit needs reviving. He sees that you need a breakthrough. I feel the Holy Spirit in this house. Listen to me when I tell you, you need something that this world cannot offer. You need a joy that nothing in this world can give you. See, he's activated and motivated by your need for mercy. For some of you right now, man, keep it low, keep it low, please, just in this moment. For some of you, you're, you're feeling that call to surrender to God. You're feeling that call. just don't know what to do next. I, I want to help you. I want to help you. Everybody across the room, I want you to close your eyes. Maybe for some of you, 2020 and 2021 has been a, it's been a season of, man, I don't, it's been, just been dry. I don't have any other way to explain it. It's just been dead. But right now in this moment, you either want to surrender your life to Jesus for the first time, or you want to recommit your life back to Jesus. If that's you, with every eye closed, I want you to just lift your hand across the room. If that's you, if you want to surrender your life back to Jesus, every eye closed, come on, that's beautiful. Come on, that's beautiful. Come on, yeah, that's you in the back. Come on, that's awesome. That's awesome. Right now, what I want you to do is I want you to pray this prayer with me. And I want you to pray it not as a repeatable uh, phrase or a bunch of words, but I want you to pray it from your heart, okay? Say this with me, Jesus. God of miracles, I come to you today broken, needing a miracle, and 
and needing a breakthrough. I'm a sinful man and I recognize that. But I believe that you died and rose again so I can have victory. I repent of my sin and I turn away from it. And I want to live in victory and in salvation and in fulfillment. And I declare it over my life. I declare joy. I declare victory. I declare purpose. In Jesus' name I pray. Come on, right now, we had five people give their lives to Jesus right now. Let's celebrate that. Let's celebrate it. Woo!